mother, it's time for another episode of Birds with Friends. Just the duo of feathery brethren, weathering any season to see the Eagles eating teams like Scrammy's top with cheese. It's Philadelphia. Both and Zach kicking it cooler than two. Until Zach runs off with his valet keys, he's a real nuanced goose. Pull up a branch, get loose. It's time for some juice on some birds with friends. The early bird gets the worm, but prefers getting turned like a turn on some birds with friends. Zach coming at you with steps and things We are going to rip out the hearts of other podcasts. We are going to bite off their eyeballs. We are going to start every segment watching the scene from The Last of the Mohicans where the guy takes a bite out of the other guy's heart. We may not be good, but we're going to be nasty. We're going to reflect the blue-collar nature of this city. Hello, everybody, and welcome to Birds with Friends on a Tuesday afternoon, about 3.20, Bo Wolf, Zach Berman, Marissa Dunn, we are going to take us to the conclusion of the trading window, the deadline, 40 minutes away at 4 o'clock. Will the Eagles make a second move? Lots of big moves being made today. Calvin Ridley, Bradley Chubb, TJ Hawkinson, Jeff Wilson, crazy draft pick compensation being thrown around, Chase Claypool, the Bears doing weird stuff. We can talk about that. We'll talk a little bit about final thoughts on the win over the Steelers. we got a short week swooper to get to. And then a treat at the end of the episode. We'll talk to Tyler Dunn about his new book on tight ends, an interview that we actually did last week. And then the Calvin Ridley trade, ha- or the uh, Robert Quinn trade happened. So you get it today. Zach, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm excited for this podcast. Uh, I wish we had a few more days this week to discuss the game but a Thursday game you're in and you're out and we are this is our only day at the team facility this week uh had a truncated period but I don't think it's a game that needs much analysis the Eagles are the superior team so we'll see what happens on Thursday night Marissa a lot of uh a lot of Michael Dunn touchdowns last night yes uh he had a lot of a lot of plays a jumbo tight end they used a lot of linemen last night um it was great he was very happy um so that very good for me going into the bye week when there's happy Michael. So <laughs> he's nice. he's he's like so excited to just kick I, up his feet and and knock out like three seasons of of uh, his Madden franchise. Oh, one hundred percent, one hundred percent. That's probably he's he's gonna be home in ten minutes, and I bet that's exactly what he's gonna do. So yeah, he can there's do more than three. Yeah, he, he can do more than hey, three. No, let's not get crazy. <laughs> okay. Let's not get crazy. There's some things that need to be done around this apartment, so we'll see. <laughs> and I think he's too good of a general manager to send a uh, like a top 40 pick for a year and a half of Chase Claypool. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. That's what are they crazy. Doing? There's been some crazy, crazy. I've been on Twitter all day. It's crazy to see these deadline moves. So. Well, I'll tell you what. Nobody um, revels in the madness of a whirling trade deadline more than a stone cold newsman. And so with it being the prime of his life, we send it to the man right now, Zach Berman. Good throwback there. Uh, I am here at the Novacare complex where the Eagles are going through a walkthrough as we speak, or perhaps they finished it recently. We are not allowed in through the walkthrough, but it was in the locker room before then. Uh, the Eagles have a truncated week like we discussed. Nick Sirianni said yesterday 
that what's aided them is that the bye week was so close to this. So they actually started their Texans prep during the bye week. That is something different this year than going into the Thursday game last year. The big news for the Eagles, at least at this point, unless there's a trade in the next uh, 38 minutes, is that Jordan Davis does not appear like he's going to play. You've seen the reports four to six weeks. Uh, Nick Sirianni did not give a timetable on Jordan Davis. The next time Nick Sirianni gives a timetable this season will be the first time Nick Sirianni gives a timetable this season. Uh, But it's not expected that Jordan Davis is going to play on Thursday. And that leaves the Eagles in a situation where they're going to need to to figure out how to replace someone who's almost irreplaceable, at least in terms of the size and the role that he plays on that defense. So we can discuss that more in the analysis segment of it. Uh, Elsewhere, on the Eagles, Jalen Hurts returns home to Houston. Uh, he's saying it's a business trip, but he's certainly excited to get to play in front of a, uh, his hometown friends and fans and family. Um, he grew up around the Texans. He, his godfather was a member of the organization. He, re- he remembers Andre Johnson giving him cleats. He remembers watching J.J. Watt play before he played against J.J. Watt. Uh, and he's always wanted to play in now NRG Stadium, then Reliant Stadium. And he never had the opportunity. He's seen Gates, seen the Texans there. He's seen high school games there. So he's going to have a chance to play there on Thursday. In the locker room, A.J. Brown was wearing a Brown, a, I'm sorry, a Hertz Brown 22 shirt. There is no presidential election this year, uh, but uh, <laughs> it is election season and they are They're in the election mood. He was, he was, he was asked what his platform, A.J. Brown was asked what his platform was. He didn't quite understand the question at first, and then it was brought up his shirt. Then he said, you'd have to ask Jalen, and it was pointed out to him thereafter that AJ's only the vice president here, right? He's not the one coming up with the platform. He's just on the ticket. So, yeah, something to go with there. Uh, and, no, it was it was pretty standard otherwise in the locker room and uh, excited for this week. And across the street about, I don't know how many Bryce Harper home runs from here, maybe, what would you say, four Bryce Harper home runs? Well, the way it's set up, it's got to be to left field, right? I mean, okay. Right? I'm just saying distance of the home runs. Okay, yeah, distance yes. of the home runs I, to where you are, or to where, to I where am. the Eagles' building is, to where I'm sitting at this moment. I'd say, anyways, I'd, I'd say I'd say five and a half. Okay, so if I'm five and a half, Bryce Harper home runs away from where the Phillies four will and a half belatedly shore, shore bombs though. There you go, belatedly play. Game three, and so I know our audience are going to is, is going to be paying attention to that, as will the three of us. Back to you in the studio. Thank you very much, Zach. Uh, kind of a bummer that rain out, huh? Ruined our big plans. We got competing games on Thursday night. It did. I mean, it's it's tough. I, I mean, Bo texted me last night. What are the odds of the Thursday night game being the two markets that are in the World Series? Right, it's it's hard to imagine. Did I text you that? The, you didn't say what are the odds, but you said yeah, the same market. Well, yeah, yeah. I said the Eagles should. I said one of them should should either either the Eagles should ask for a uh, postponement when the when the hearts of the city or Major League Baseball should schedule their game for the afternoon. I saw Rob Manfred was asked about that, and he said that I don't like that, baseball very much. I'm Matt Rob Manfred. Is that what he said? <laughs> No, he, he I'm said, working on hey, my golf swing. Baseball's not that good of a sport. Let he me said get something the owner along, some money. 
He said something along the lines of the World Series needs the biggest audience, and the biggest audience comes at primetime. Not if it's going head-to-head with football. Well, that's, if the that's world, a, I mean, if that's his point, he's wrong. I don't think he's thinking now, about the football the, game is the on Amazon, Marcus. so it's as, yeah. it's, this is as good of a shot as they'll ever get to outdraw uh, a football game. But if well, his point is, is the World Series needs the biggest audience, he's wrong, and he sucks, and he's, he's well, bad so for the game. I, I really feel bad for the fans in obviously the, the sense that there's two competing things going on that within itself. But even like you mentioned, I love the Amazon broadcast and I I don't have a problem with games being on, on streaming services. Like that's not an issue. To me. What do you love about um, the broadcast? But wait, but please let me finish the point here. <laughs> but, but the, the biggest challenge with a game being on Amazon or streaming service is it takes away your flipping ability. Yes. You have to exit the app and go to wherever you know so it, that's the challenge so this so thursday night is prime viewing for flipping and you're probably going to need either your phone or a laptop or some people have this set up with two TVs you're going to need that second screen there because the go in and out is going to make it much more difficult okay what do you love so much about the amazon broadcast i think the broadcast quality is really good uh, i i like that pregame show uh and the halftime show and the postgame show i like that yeah I, I like i like that crew i think it's a good group uh but it's yeah it's it's a the good game broadcast. callers i don't like that much i always like an al michaels and i i, I actually like kirk herb street but yeah that's what i'm saying I'm, I'm i'm getting used to to kirk on a, on a college football yeah not the most uh not the most chemistry but yeah, at, yeah. for a booth, I would say. But. Yeah, but I'm saying, but the Amazon broadcast itself, I I find okay. I enjoy that. Do you not? No, I, I enjoy it. Yeah, okay. I I, I don't you, love the. You crew. seem incredulous by the suggestion. Well, you seem like you had a strong opinion about it. I like that. I thought they did a good job with the uh, the aftermath of the of the Tua concussion yeah. on that Thursday night football. Yeah. That 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 crew of former players in the po- in the post game booth. Yeah, I said I I like the Amazon broadcast. That that qualifies as a really strong, strong take. Well, you made a point um, of saying it. Like you went out of your way to gas it up. Well, I don't want to be one of these. Uh, what's, it, what's the term? Boomers who are like who who complain about streaming. Okay. Look, it's twenty twenty two. I I sports are are going to be streamed. It's not convenient, but it's the reality of 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 today i don't mind it and like the the apple plus friday night baseball game uh the quality of that is awesome compared to mm-hmm. a network game so anyways we don't need to get i think, into I think this. defop uh, gabe is going to be very happy to hear you say that okay we it, i thought we i thought we would keep today's show tight because there's a lot to discuss yeah but we got to get to four o'clock so we might as well you know, stretch. We can a discuss. Bit. We could discuss the Steelers. We can discuss the Texans. Okay. Uh, let, let's look ahead because, as Jonathan Gannon said, this is a Friday in their eyes. Well, do you have anything to say about the Steelers? Because you mentioned it. Is there anything, any meat left on that bone? They're really good. I mean, the Eagles are really good. Oh, <laughs> the Steelers. Uh, no, the Eagles are really good. Like I went back and watched. So I watched that game, the condensed version, before the broadcast, and I got. I haven't watched the All Twenty Two yet. Um, but uh, I did go back and, and look at a few plays yesterday for different things I was I was working on, and I was just I was so impressed with with Jalen Hurts. I was so impressed with AJ Brown. Obviously, I was impressed with the defense. 
Uh, I left the stadium feeling one thing, and I think I, th- I felt better about the team afterwards. Like I, I've heard, um, you know, the the first touchdown. That's that's something that has come up often. Uh, was it a good throw? Was it not a good throw? I think Jalen saw something there, right? Do you disagree? I sort of disagree. I think it was okay. a I think it was a bad decision, but okay. I think I all I, 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 like if your point is. Throwing it up to AJ Brown is never a bad decision. I think that that's probably also true. So I, I asked AJ about this today because the the uh, this idea, like even if he's covered, he's always open. It takes a quarterback who who is willing to throw it up. Like quarterbacks are very cognizant of their numbers, of like the decisions that they make. Right? You have to have a quarterback who's willing to do it. And I, I asked him if. If if that's something that's like been a challenge in his career, he said, "Yeah, like you have to you have to really convince these guys to trust you that like even if it looks this way, just just throw it up." Because he said he always tells his his uh, quarterbacks that if he doesn't win early, he'll win late, and hmm. you saw that on that play. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a that's a that's a player's play, not a coach's play, right? Like I, I think I think in the review of the game, which they may not even have time to do this week because it's a short week. I think Sirianni probably would be like, we don't really want to throw this ball, Jalen. Like, Minka's there. If Minka plays it better, he's he's probably he could pick it. But on the field, Jalen Hurts is giving AJ Brown a chance. I think it's. I mean, obviously it worked out fine, but I, I think that's I think that's a, a totally fine decision. Agreed. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I don't think there's. I don't think. I think we. I think we did a good job covering it in the post game. Yeah. I mean, explosive plays. That's. That's the that's the big thing is is that they they were declining in that area leading into the Steelers game. I don't know if it was the Steelers defense or if it was the bye week that compelled them to throw the ball downfield more, uh, take 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 more shot plays. But uh, I've used the metric uh, because this is what they use: twelve plus yards for running plays, sixteen plus yards for passing plays. That's what they consider explosive plays. What I'm actually interested in asking Nick at some point here is whether they have like a super explosive category because like a 30 yard pass or a swooper <laughs> a 30 yard pass is different than a 16 yard pass right it's i mean a 32 yard pass is twice as good as a 16 yard pass uh and i imagine you can have like a an explosive play but still end up punting and my guess is if you have a a 30 plus yard play you're probably not punting on that possession i mean you would have to be really backed up to still punt when you have a play that that long, so mm. um, so point being that they had more of those what I would qualify as super explosive plays, and so it's something I will be asking Nick at some point here. Okay, anything from uh, Johnny Gans and or Shane Stiko today? So for full disclosure for our our audience, because I would never want to, to to mislead them, the press conferences today were during locker room. So I, I was at Jonathan Gannon because that was the beginning of it, and I wanted to ask about some Jordan Davis. Nuggets. He really didn't get too deep into it. He says this is why they cross train guys. Um, they they uh, uh, he he mentioned Marlon as someone who who they left him last off season with like certain things he needed to improve upon and and he he did it. So Marlon could be the first one up. Hargrave has played in that role, but there aren't guys like Jordan Davis walking around this building. So I'm curious to see if structurally they'll change anything. They they wouldn't say that. Uh, I, I wasn't in on Steichen. I see uh, Squidward Tentacles asking, did Michael Clay speak today? No. Uh, 
because of the Thursday schedule. They did not have the special teams coordinator speak. I was in on Hertz, but uh, I a lot of the Hertz thing was on returning home and was on Houston. Uh, I'm sorry, and was on um, AJ Brown. Then I did speak to, to to Javon Hargrave. The big thing with Jordan Davis, it's like when Doug Peterson was here, next man up, right? But the the kind of the the focal point, I should say, going into into the Texans week, it, it sounds like it's Damian Pierce. Um, Jonathan Gannon put Pierce up on the screen for the defensive players when I asked what's jumping out about this Texans team to some guys. You know that they say the running back. Uh, now there's there's not much going on, and we'll see even if they have their top receiver because Brandon Cooks did not pass today. Uh, I'm sorry, did not practice today. Uh, but it sounds like Damian Pierce is going to be the focal point. Jets are sending Jacob Martin to the Broncos and a fifth round. Okay. Old news. It's like oh, minutes, minutes sorry. old. I don't. I I That's got the alert the on my phone. The Jets want. <laughs> oh no! What's the trade the Jets what's, what's the trade want? The Elijah Moore. I don't know. They 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 want well. Some people, some people think Elijah Moore should go, but I don't know. I mean, I think. How about Matt Ryan? Getting Matt Ryan? Yeah, why not? Their quarterback stinks. Well, there was some rumors that maybe Flacco might be on the trade block, which I was mm. pretty surprised because they made Mike White the number two quarterback. Right. And then they brought Chris Strebler up from the practice squad for the game, but didn't activate him. They did? Him. Yes, but they didn't activate him. So they elevated a quarterback for the game. Huh. But he was not active, so there was rumors that like yeah, I would feel like that in the works. That's that why makes they sense. Up a quarterback, but then it didn't go through. So that's fun because it gives Flacco another opportunity to like not report for several days just to just be lazy about it and still get paid and then show up like a week later. So yeah, I don't know what they're doing there, but I'm sure fans will be um not happy I, with. What I don't know if that's what Flacco did, by the way. Is that what he did? Yeah, he like it took it, it took, took him. He went. He got traded from Philadelphia to New Jersey, and it took him like four days to get there. I don't know. There, 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 there might have been like a testing protocol that took place or something like that. It, it could have been. something. Yeah, like I that. think it was both. I think okay. that was a factor, but I think it okay. also took him a took him a while. <laughs> okay. okay, Flacco yeah. took with, his uh, sweet two, time with two consecutive deadline weekend trades would be. I feel like the Niners need to get a backup quarterback. I mean, I I, I kind of liked Brock Purdy as my like late round quarterback sleeper, but you're really gonna you're going all in trading for Christian McCaffrey, and you're trusting you're trusting it to Brock Purdy as the backup. That's 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 what you that's your trade deadline take. Yeah, I think they need a backup quarterback. Okay, I mean, okay. Nick Foles is out there, and we know okay. that. Um, uh, Salah had connections with the 49ers, obviously. So maybe mm, that that's was. That's true. I think it's a little unserious if to, you're you're going all in for a Super Bowl, but you're you're letting Brock Purdy be the backup. I mean, in I theory, maybe, Trey maybe Lance love... could be could Trey Lance be, be back by January in a backup role? Could he? I don't think so. Could he? I don't think so. I don't know. I think okay. it's pretty okay. Not not positive okay. though. I thought I had some. Right. Okay. I mean, maybe I don't, I don't know what you know. Uh, in any event, other trades uh, are, are, are is there Texans is there Texans material you want to get into or other after the break? After the break, okay. Yeah. Any trades you want to discuss here? You're killing the Bears for getting their wide receiver help or for getting their quarterback help. Yeah, because that's a crazy price to pay. Their second round pick, a bad team second round pick. 
for a year and a half of a wide receiver who's just okay when there are great receivers coming out every year? Yeah, I think that's a bad trade. I mean, my assumption is their evaluation of Chase Claypool is different than your evaluation of Chase Claypool. I would I would hope so. Yes. But also, like he's leaving a, a good wide receiver developing organization. He's going to Chicago. A second round pick? That's a crazy price to pay. For a team that needs to build from the ground up? Yeah. And so, they're going to commit to paying him? That's an awful deal. So I actually... I, look, I, I I did think it was a bit of an overplay, overpay, but if you well, that's like, the thing is the market seems crazy right now. Yeah, but if if you like Claypool as a player, uh, he's he's under he's on a he's on an inexpensive contract, which wide receivers are getting paid left and right. Okay, but he's not on he it can, for that long. He can grow. He can grow with your young quarterback. And by the way, and then you have to pay him this this wide receiver draft class. Is not it's not an amazing wide receiver draft class as it's been. I think if you look at the past three years, this one or the past two years, even that this is this is worse than it's been in recent years. Um, just if if you're following college football, there's not that clear like can't miss guy. Now two years from now, man, there's a can't miss guy there. Um, but I don't. I'm not like. Uh, I'm not so bothered by the Claypool trade. I think it's an overpay, but if you like the player, for a for a 25 year old or 24 year old rather, with who's still probably younger than the guy they drafted in the third round this year, that that is true. I think that's a terrible deal. The price is nuts. Okay. That does like the prices have been crazy, and I, and I think you give maybe the Eagles like an extra half point credit for getting the Robert Quinn deal done last week and getting ahead of the market because. Like what the Ravens paid for Roquan Smith is a lot mm-hmm. for an off-ball linebacker who's got a half year left on his deal, and you got to pay him. Uh, what the Dolph- Dolphins are giving up a first for Bradley Chubb. So that seems like a lot. If I can say something for Bradley respect- Chubb, like so, he's not a game changer, a first round pick. Yeah, the the Chubb thing. I as long as they have an extension, because that's that's the big deal. You give up a first round pick, right? Where I I want to push back on you. I felt this way about McCaffrey, and I feel this way about Roquan Smith. Okay, okay. is let me get my base underneath me. Okay, where I philosophically agree with you on positional value. I think you make exceptions for exceptional players, and I don't think you make exceptions for exceptional players. I I think you like you. You just refer to these players by the position as if you're just plugging in this position. Roquan Smith, if you believe he's an exceptional off-ball linebacker and he's played that way, and by the way, in the in the Ravens system, that's in a really important position. Uh, it's not like an edge rusher, but the same thing when you look at Christian McCaffrey, who has the chance to be an exceptional player, especially in in that scheme. Look what they just did. I I was listening to. Uh, I I mentioned, well, I didn't mention you. I'm sorry, I didn't mention on this podcast. I was on the Amazon call with their hosts today, and Richard Sherman was talking about when you go up against the Niners and you have Debo Samuel who can play wide receiver and running back, and you have Christian McCaffrey who can play wide receiver and running back, that all of a sudden you go empty against them and you need to have these linebacker bodies on the field because they can put them in the backfield, but then they can flex them out. Right, uh, uh, Roquan Smith can do so many different things 
from that position. I think if if you simply say he's an off-ball linebacker, so he's worth X, or Christian McCaffrey is a running back, so he's worth Y, I understand the point about positional value, but I think you make exceptions for exceptional players. Okay, well, you're taking some shots. <laughs> I respect that. I, I, I think the two players are different. I think I'm more willing to buy that with Roquan Smith because he is a young, theoretically ascending player. Um, you, you, you cannot convince me that the price paid for McCaffrey is is a smart investment, given that he is like on the downside of his athletic prime at a position where guys go very quickly. Sure, he's got that flexibility. He also hasn't been healthy the last three years so you don't know what's coming there um that one i don't i don't back off of at all i know the roquan smith thing yeah he's a good player and i think the whole point of of not making those exceptions is that like you have to be absolutely sure so if you're sure that roquan smith is going to be that guy that's great they better assign him to that extension because i think there's a lot of guesswork in bringing in a middle linebacker to a new defense in the middle of a season. I think that's difficult. Um, Cause he doesn't like the whole, the whole, like the whole key to being a good middle linebacker is having like preternatural instincts. And it's hard to have that if you are playing a little bit of catch up um, in the draft, it's a different discussion. And it's why like Kyle Pitts, you better be sure. And that doesn't seem like, there's a big difference between like hitting on Quentin Nelson and he's the best guard in the league versus uh, if you if you think a guy's going to be like a top five pass rusher and he turns out to be a top 20 pass rusher, that's still very helpful. If you think a guy's going to be the best tight end, the best off-ball linebacker in the league, and he turns out to be the 15th best, that's not that helpful. It's and so that's 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 why in the draft philosophy I have that conviction. Uh, I think for established players it depends a little bit more on the player. And and I said what I said about those guys. Okay. And the Chase Claypool trade is a bad trade. Okay. What do you think of the Jeff Wilson trade? What were the terms? I think a fifth round pick. Yeah, I think it's fine. They got rid of Chase Edmonds, who was like the very worst running back in the league, uh, according to next gen stats, uh, like uh, expected yards per carry like far and away the worst running back in the league how so, about the calvin ridley good. trade i mean so many layers of uh so many layers of compensation i mean i guess i guess i guess a guy like that belongs in a lawless state like florida <laughs> so probably good for good for ridley i mean and how do you feel about emmy udoka getting a, getting a job right away how do i feel about it that's yeah. that's one of those where I will refrain from comment until I know the specifics of it. But, but well, it'd be nice if anybody would do some reporting on the specifics of it. Things been out there for like a month. Yeah, uh, I mean, clearly the Celtics aren't worried about him going. But I do think, as a basketball coach, if I evaluate him as a basketball coach, he he was a really good basketball coach last year. He knows the personnel in Brooklyn. Like if Brooklyn's not yeah, that'll be a fun team to root for. <laughs> um, if Brooklyn's going to disregard any of those off the field concerns, off the court concerns rather, then from a basketball perspective, it makes a lot of sense. But I can't account for what's happening beyond it. And one rule I have is that uh, I try not to talk about what I don't know about. 
And I don't know enough about that situation. Okay. All right. Let's take a break. We'll come back. We'll talk Texans. We'll get our swooper in. And then we'll get through the deadline. And if there's no deal after that, we'll get to Tyler Dunn. All right. Back on Birds with Friends in the time that we left and came back. No deal has been done. You think that something's going to happen in the next 11 minutes, Zach? I believe that they are in the market. I think that it's... Now he's trying to get involved in everything. I think it's challenging given that they their they're dearth of day three picks because they're not going to make a splash. If they make a trade, it's for someone you're trading a day three pick for, and they don't have one in the fourth, fifth, or sixth round in 2023. If you were the general manager, not a prediction of what they will do, if you had to make a choice, what would it, and you could only improve one thing, would it be running back? Would it be safety? Would it be Jordan Davis replacement? Running back help. Interesting. Okay, and why? I think it could have a... Like a, like a, a material effect on games, like I've, a, like a Miles Sanders compliment level yeah. or like a Kenny Gainwell upgrade. Like, no, like a Kareem like Hunt a or, or Naheem backup. Hines, Kareem Hunt or Naheem Hines. One I think those are things. different type of players. Yeah. But I think someone, cause I think a running back could have a, a material effect on the offense. I think there would be games when they could use that player. I think a, a safety trade would be an insurance play and there's nothing wrong with an insurance play. But I think if you're talking about where I would go, I think a running back is someone you can mix in and would be an upgrade on the playing time you're allocating to Kenny Gainwell uh, and or Boston Scott. I think I would go safety just because I, I I think that's the one thing where things could go really wrong. Like if they, if they don't upgrade it at running back and Miles Sanders goes down, knock on wood, I think they'll still be fine on offense. Like... It won't be as explosive, but they'll get by. Maybe Jalen Hurts has to run a little bit more, but they'll they'll still be a very productive offense. If one of those safeties goes down and like Kayvon Wallace has to be on the field every snap, all of a sudden, like the structure of the of the of the secondary is really in question. And I think I think that's when things could go south. But I think you're right. It's it, you're are you are you are you being aggressive or are you being um, you know, uh, trying to worry about the down the downside risk instead of the upside. I don't know. I'm not. Be, I'm not worried about the downside of the effect it would have on the, on the locker room or the effect that it would have on. Yeah, you're how, you're trying to make the playing. team better. I'm yes. trying. I'm. I'm. I, I don't. It, there's no right or wrong here. So, if, I, but from a draft capital perspective, yeah, I I would not overpay because of the, the position that that you're in right now. Right, I would have a price. And if you can't get that player on a price, I would say we're seven and zero. We're gonna be eight and zero right. this week. Um, we're gonna make the playoffs, and I think we can win with this team that we have. Uh, but if you have an opportunity to make the team better, and 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 I just go back to running back because you can put a running back in there, and it'll have a material effect on the team. Whereas if you acquire a safety, he's not playing unless you create a new package or unless uh, someone gets injured. Yeah. Okay. All right. Let's talk Texans as we, uh, as we wait this bad boy out, you know, a lot of That's times your favorite thing you... to do. Talk Texans. I mean, I guess I'll sell that joke. <laughs> I mean, 
Not the Houston. You want to have? Do you want to have a Ted Cruz discussion? <laughs> I definitely don't want to have that. No, I, I, I was saying because the the last time we went to the state of Texas, you made a lot of comments about going to the state of Texas. So that was the joke. That was a throwback to. I uh, like lots spot. of people in Texas. Shout out to uh, shout out to Defop Ed and then uh, Defop Jason. But yeah, I mean, you want to talk? You want to talk Greg at? But let's let's roll up our sleeves. <laughs> That's not what I was bringing up. But le- but let's get rolling here. Okay, uh, you know, a lot of times you get a you get a okay. Like these teams are not really that separated. Like, sure, the Texans have the worst record in the league, but underneath the hood, they got some good stuff working for them. Uh, that's that's not really the case with this Houston Texans team. Dead last, 32nd in DVOA, uh, 31st in offense, 30th in defense. But they have made that organizational commitment to bringing in good guys on special teams, and that is paying off. They are 6th in special teams DVOA. That is the most lopsided matchup here. Texans special teams against the Eagles special teams. Boy, is that going to be uh, a game tilter. But yeah, I mean this is a this is a bad team. The Eagles are coming in right now, thirteen point favorites, right, Zach? And uh, the Texans have probably like four good players yeah. on the team. Damian Pierce is one of them. Uh, Laramie, who Tunsil, you were all guess. over, by the way, he was your senior bowl crush. I did. That's true. That's true. I don't want to give myself too much credit, so thank you for doing. I it. will do it for you. Um, I did. I did. Love, I mean, I think a lot of people like once they watched Damian Pierce. Uh, there, it, the, everything was like, well, wait a second. This guy looks awesome. Why didn't he ever get the ball at Florida? Mm-hmm. And I don't know. Maybe that's just a, a question that the Gators need to answer. It's like asking the Penn State coaches why they didn't let Micah Parsons rush the quarterback. Rush the quarterback. But, um, yeah, I don't know. I mean, what do you want to say here? Because this is this is not a good team. Their defense stinks. Their offense. Damian Pierce is good. The quarterback is sort of a. Uh, like a a a faceless uh creative player who's just happens to be a tall quarterback. <laughs> it's one. Uh yeah, this is a bad team. This is a bad team. And uh, look, if this is a long rebuild, I I respect it, right? You or I shouldn't say respect it. I understand you tear it to the bones, but and I actually like their their rookie class. I I like the Stingley pick, I like the Petrie pick. Uh Ken- Stingley as and it has looked awesome. Yeah, I mean, uh, Kenyon Green is, I don't know if that was the best pick to make when you talk about position value, but he was he was certainly... Oh, Mr. <laughs> position Value, clutching well, pearls all of a sudden. Well, well, is he an exceptional player? That's the question for you. Uh, Christian Harris is, uh, I like Christian Harris coming out. So they had, they. I, I liked their draft class. Uh, I don't like their roster overall. Um, they're not playing particularly well. The Texans played the uh, Titans this past weekend. Uh, the Titans had a rookie quarterback starting for the first time. They didn't pass the ball really. What I think Malik Wills had 11 pass attempts or thereabouts. And they just – now, I know Derrick Henry is an exceptional running back, uh, but they just ran it down the throats of the, of, the, of, the, of the Texans. Offensively, they don't do much. Cooks is a good receiver. We don't know if Cooks is going to be on the roster. Uh, Nico Collins has been, has been banged up here, I believe. You mentioned Pierce. Uh, yeah, defensively, not much there. There's there's really nothing to hang your hat on if you're the Texans right now. You're looking at this matchup, and you're like, all right, the Eagles can win this way, the Eagles can win that way, the Eagles can win that, win that way, the Eagles can win that way. 
Mm. Uh, someone in the chat is saying that uh, Rappaport has reported Kareem Hunt to the Eagles, but that's not on his Twitter. So unless yeah. it's live on NFL Network, we've yeah, we unless just it's a troll. unless it's a fake Ian. No, we did just get one though. But the Colts are trading Naheem Hines to the Bills. Ah, okay. Oh. That is from Adam Schefter on Twitter. The Bills really doing following the Forty Niners lead, just throwing resource, resource, resource after the running back position. Wonder, wonder what the uh, the cost is going to be there, but. I wouldn't give up that much for Naheem Hines. I mean, the Bills are also trying to win a Super Bowl this year. So, although I got, every team's trying to win a Super Bowl, are the Houston Texans trying to win a Super Bowl? I don't know. They fired Jack Easterby finally. Maybe they are. Uh, now, what I will People say is that Philadelphia walk like this. Is that is that James Cook looked? I I like the James Cook um, experience that I saw when I was watching part of that Sunday night game, and I think they should get James Cook the ball more. But that's just me. Hmm. Okay. But yeah, so this this Texans team, it's it's like I can say they should. Yeah, I, I mean, should say the Eagles should matchup. should hand this the ball is... to Miles Sanders because you can run on them. But then Jalen Hurts is going home. Do you want to showcase Jalen Hurts? I think the Eagles can get to the quarterback here. I mean, the big thing. Okay, if if you want, like let's let's break this down X's and O's. It's that the Texans are going to try to run the ball. That's that's what. They've done best this year, and the Eagles are missing Jordan Davis in the middle of their defense, and, and we haven't seen yet the four-man front be very effective against – be particularly effective against the run. So if they go five-man front, and it's what? Either Javon at nose tackle or Marlon T at, at nose tackle, it changes it, – it, it, it changes what you – it changes what you were doing. So I guess I will frame it to you. What do you think the Eagles do at nose tackle? I think they try to get by. Okay. Um, I think they probably add somebody of a veteran uh, capacity, whether that's from the street or from a, a practice squad. But obviously not um, for this week, though. Oh, for this week. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Going up against the Texans here. What's, the, what's think, the play? I think this week they go Tui okay. for the most part uh, and let Hargrave stay as the three-tech. But I think they're, I think they're going to be – willing to do it both ways where it's Hargrave in the middle and Milton Williams on the field, because I think that's a better lineup for them, but it marginalizes Hargrave to a degree. And if you, if you make it too, then you on your, in your nickel packages, then, then maybe Milton Williams is, is freed up a little bit more. And, and I thought he had his best game of the season last week and, you know, he had that sack, but it looked like his legs were a little bit fresher. So are you, are you expecting a Marvin Wilson call up? Uh, Yes. Okay. I would say so. I Going back to Houston because they want to they want to uh, rotate those keep those legs fresh. I think okay. I think he will be up. Okay. Are you? I would imagine so. Yes. Okay. Shout out to Big Marv. All right, let's get to Swooper as the deadline hits. We'll see if anything comes in after the bell. But uh, Zach, you're in a good shape. You got 15 extra turkeys to your credit. That means you get. What do we got? 39 turkeys you're dealing with. Marissa, you've got 24. You go right back to 24. Mm-hmm. And I have 32. Okay. Zach, you ready to defend your title this from last a, week? This is a one-point week. Yes. Yes. I am I'm eager for Swooper. I feel I, I, I do read the comments. I'm not afraid to admit that. And 
uh, there's this idea that I dislike Swooper, and so I want to show a more positive attitude towards Swooper. What do you mean there's this idea? You said that on the podcast last week. <laughs> this is deja vu. We've what is that? had this okay. conversation. Okay. okay. So I want to have a more... light me like the tennis schmuck? Like I want to have a more positive attitude toward Swooper. So there's this is... idea that this thing that I said was accurate. <laughs> okay. Okay. So no, excited for this for this uh segment. All right. Let's get well, on it. Uh why don't you go first then, Zach? Okay. Jalen Hurts sets a career high in either passing yards or rushing yards. Good mm. one. Okay. And of course, Jalen going back home. One. Two. Three. Three going once. Three going twice. Sold. That's uh, a good one, right? Yeah. So his career high in rushing is 106 yards, and his career high in passing is 387 yards. Oof. I, I just feel like this he's game is going to be too easy where he's not going to need. Yeah. That's what I was wondering. Yep. And if he plays the whole game, that's my exactly. Yeah. unfair. But All right, I'll go. For three, I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, the number of Damian Pierce carries is larger than Jalen Hurts' longest run of the game. Damian Pierce carries over Jalen Hurts' longest run. I'll say one. Two. I'm out Three. On Four. Five. Going one. Six. Do I hear seven? Six going once. Six going twice. Seven. Um, why wouldn't you just say seven before? Instead of- <laughs> because this, I'm trying to. This is entertaining. This is, yes. Ah, uh, you can have it for seven. You can have it for seven, seven. going once. <laughs> seven going twice. Sold. All right. Okay. The Eagles score more touchdowns than the Astros have runs. On Thursday night. On Thursday night. I'm going to go one. Thursday is going to be what? uh, Cindergaard for three and then the bullpen game. Does that sound right? Yes. Yes. Okay. One going once. Two. Three. Three. Marissa, you got it. Okay. Three going once. Three going twice. Four. Five. Five going once. Five going twice. Sold. Yes. This is a fun one to root for. I like the, the yeah. fun ones to root for. The cross-sport ones? Yeah. Yes. Eagles right. TDs over Astros runs. That's pretty good. That could happen. Mm-hmm. All right. Crack that bad boy open. Okay. Some red on this one. The item is, the first half of the Eagles game ends before the top of the fifth inning of the Phillies game. Clock hitting zero, zero, zeros across the board. 
for halftime versus final out of the top of the fifth being recorded. Okay, now this is an increasing bid all pay auction. Zach's favorite. Like he said, it's a short week, so you have to go. <laughs> so you have to go with your best stuff. <laughs> Players bid, bid out loud in a, as in a usual auction, but bidding must begin at one turkey and then increase by one turkey at a time. So if one player bids one, the next player must bid two, must be two, and so on. Once bidding stops, the player who bid last and hence the most wins the item, and all players must pay whatever the highest bid was during the process. Whatever their highest bid was? Or all players we all have must to pay us. whatever their highest bid was during yeah. the process. Yep. Right. Let's okay. see how much you guys have learned with a smiley face, it says. So, okay. again, the item is... The first half of the Eagles game ends before the top of the fifth inning of the Phillies game ends. Clock hitting zero across for halftime versus the final out of the top of the fifth inning being recorded. Okay. One. Two. Three. Four. Five. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. <laughs> Ten. Eleven. Damn. I'm too far gone. You have it. Damn. Eleven going once. Eleven going twice. Zach, you don't want it? Sold. I mean, that's a gimme, though. But Marissa pays 10. Yeah. So Marissa's down to six. Yeah, that was tough. I knew you could keep going on me. I knew yeah. you had more turkeys than me. So. And I would have. I would have gone to 16 or 17 for it. Yeah. So at that point, I was like, you But know then what? Zach could have jumped in. That's what Zach should have done. He should have swooped in at the end and made me pay. No. Zach knew that he, he learned a lesson. <laughs> yes. I'm just staying away from that one. And it did not say all players. That's a big. gimme, though. I mean... The, the pace of a baseball game they're starting at the same time right we'll it's see. also worth this it's worth the same as every other swooper right so i'm not going to allocate that percentage of my turkeys to that well, not, I, I mean it's it's a more likely one to hit that's the whole point of the game i understand that bo what my point <laughs> being that uh it's it's not worth more if you bid more for it so for all i know this but it's more cycle, likely to hit so. It is more likely to hit, but uh, for all I for I I I could get three for the price of what I just paid, right? I I mean resource allocation here, well, like yeah, Bo but, is doing I with mean, positional a, it's value. It's something that's sixty five percent likely to happen versus three things that are ten percent likely to happen. I mean, that's the whole point of the game. We should have had this conversation before the bidding to confuse Zach a little bit. <laughs> All right. Zach, I'm not confused it's, here. It's, I understand my strategy. Zach, it's, it's, it's your... I think you uh, did a good job, Zach. You didn't lose any turkeys and I did, so you win this one. Okay. You're All up, right, Zach. Zach. Go ahead. Okay. Miles Sanders has the most rushing yards of any player in this game. So that's both teams, of course. One. Two. Four. Five. I'm out. Six. Seven. Eight. 
Nine. Wow. Nine going once. I want to push you, but I don't. Going twice. I want to have some turkeys left. Sold. Sold. All right. So we'll see. Bows that he spent 11 on versus stacks that he spent nine on. Which one hits? Yeah, I mean, I think Zach's going to get that one. Okay. You should feel good about that one. Is it me next or you? Yeah. The last play of the game is a kneel down. Hmm. One. Two. Three. Three. Four. Five. I'm out. Six. Seven. Eight. Nine. It's yours for nine. Nine going once. Nine going twice. Sold. Wow. F five left for me. Six left for Marissa. 30 left for Zach. Okay. The Texans will win or tie at least one quarter of play. Oh, that's a good one. Two. Three. Four. Six. Ooh, nice. I like this one. Six going once. Six going twice. Marissa gets it, and she's out of turkeys. So was I, like, after my bad gameplay earlier, that was good gameplay, right? To go six that was a instead good, of five, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah that, okay. Yeah. Learning. I'm not that good at this either, Zach. It's okay. You are, Marissa. No. Give yourself credit. You are. I just wasted 10 turkeys when I knew Bo no, had a million more tough. than me. <laughs> okay. Let's do this next one. There is no red writing on it. The sum of the jersey numbers of Eagles players who score touchdowns plus Phillies players who score runs on Thursday night only is greater than the sum of jersey numbers of Texans players who score touchdowns and Astros players who score runs on Thursday night only. Passing touchdowns do not count. In the Phillies game, the jersey number of the player who scores the run is what counts, not the hitter who gets the RBI. Okay, that's all. That all makes sense. Three. Five. Six. You got it. All right. I'm counting on the Eagles scoring more touchdowns here. Right. And maybe Dallas Goddard getting in the end zone. So help helping my case. Maybe there's a Robert Quinn pick six here. He's he's the highest number yeah, there you go. on on the Eagles. And I don't yeah, so that's something to watch. All right, Zach, you got twenty four left. I've got five left, and there are four things left to go. Wow. Okay. You're up, Zach. Am I up here? Am I up here? Okay. Gardner Minshew takes a snap. Mm, good one. I can. Three. So even if the Eagles take a lead, are they going to sit Jalen in his hometown when they have these extra day rest? They, they put in Minshew the other day in part because they had this Thursday game. So something to monitor there. So you went three for Minshew? Yes. 
Zach, going one. Four. 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 So, uh, do I want to... Are you going to go or... Minshew? Going once. Oh, man, I think you're going to win this week, Zach. Going twice. Sold to Zach for four. Both teams lose a challenge. Mm-mm. One. One going once. One going twice. Two. <laughs> oh, wow. Look at you, the entertainer over here. <laughs> I'm not going to give you it for one, but two I don't going like once. <laughs> two going twice. Sold. Wow. Okay. All right. The Eagles have a play that's longer than the Texans' longest field goal made. One. Three. Four. Five. Yours. I think you're going to clean up this week, Zach. I mean, how many items does he have? Five so far. And turkeys left? Thirteen. Wow. It's all those turkeys that he I bought from him those weeks prior. Yeah. Look at that smug look on his face. <laughs> How's this smug? Because you, you, you're, 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 you can barely contain. <laughs> you can barely contain the smile of how of how many items you've won. You think this is I'm proof so- of concept? I'm simply I like trying I've used to the, engage. I think I feel like I've used the phrase proof of concept too much recently. Trying to enjoy the game. I'm trying to enjoy the game. I like it. Like we're pulling your toenails out. All right. What do we got? What's our last, last one? one? The Texans offense scores fewer combined touchdowns and field goals than the number of innings pitched by the Phillies starter. Touchdowns plus field goals? The Texans offense scores fewer combined touchdowns and field goals than the number of mm. innings pitched by the Phillies starter. Three. Oof. I'll say four. It's yours. Yeah, that's is not going to happen. I think Syndergaard's going to throw like two innings. I, I I had a number and I couldn't I couldn't go past it. I had to stay had to stay disciplined. You wanted to keep your thirteen? No, I wanted to keep ten. So I bid on I bid three, okay. but I wasn't going four because I wasn't going in the single digits here. Okay. I guess if the Texans don't even kick a field goal, you're going to win that one anyway. All right, so Zach, you have. Uh, but you bid it. It's yours. Yeah, I know. Yeah, so you said you're going to. Okay, I, I, that other okay, one, the I'm one sorry. from before, the longest play oh, yes. one over yes, over correct. the field goal. Uh, you have uh, Miles Sanders has the most rushing yards in the game. The uh, combined jersey numbers of the Eagles and Phillies scorers is greater than the Texans Astros scorers. Gardner Minshew takes a snap. Both teams lose a challenge. Uh, the Eagles' longest play is longer than the Texans' longest field goal. You're gonna get longest like th- made field goal. Longest made field goal. You're gonna get like three of those at least. Uh, Marissa, Jalen Hurts has a career high in passing or rushing. The Eagles' touchdowns is greater than the Astros' runs. Wait, was it career high or season high? Career. Okay. Yeah, you're in tough shape. Okay. 
And then uh, the Texans win or tie at least one of the four quarters. That's a good one. I have Damian Pierce carries is greater than Jalen Hurts' longest run. Uh, the halftime is over before the middle of the fifth. Uh, last play of the game is a quarterback kneel down. I spent too much on that one. And uh, the uh, Texans field goal is less uh, and field goals plus touchdowns is fewer than uh, the innings thrown by the Philly starter. Not going to get that one. I think Zach, I think yeah, I think it took us to the woodshed this week. We shall see. That's why they play the game, Bo. No. All right. Uh, anything else? I mean, we're we're 18 minutes past the deadline. Looks like nothing happened. Eagles didn't do anything. Well, they did something last week. They didn't do something today. I think Robert Quinn accounts for a good trade deadline deal, even if it's not on the deadline. Yeah, and I think I and I and I think you know you may love the uh, the Chase Claypool deal. And the price is being paid, but it. I think it does. I think it does reflect well on the price the Eagles paid. That every everything else, the market has sort of shot up a little bit. That's why you, why you get your bids in early, get your deals done. It's like an auction draft. You're stuck trying to bid when there's like three good guys left. You're gonna overpay. I know what that's like. Yes. <laughs> okay. That is basically every auction draft I've ever been in. <laughs> okay. Um. All right. Anything else? Because when after this, we're going to go to break. We're going to talk to Tyler Dunn about his new book that's out. Uh, talk some tight ends, but the interview is from last week, just so everybody knows. So we're gonna we're we are gonna say goodbye, but you are gonna stick around and watch that lovely interview with Tyler Dunn. Is there anything else you want to get off your chest, Zach? Uh, no big. I would say big game for the Eagles, but it, I mean the big game's the next game, right? So they have a chance to go eight and zero. This would set the franchise mark for best start. And they've never been 8-0 before. If you recall, they lost to the Steelers in 2004 when they jumped off to this big start. Then they would get extended rest going into Washington. Remember, and it's more extended rest than typical because they have a Monday night game the following week. Uh, so uh, the schedule does not get any harder <laughs> from here. Uh, I mean, I guess it gets marginally harder. But uh, the Eagles have done a good job beating teams that they should beat. And they should beat the the Texans. We should give our predictions here. Oh, that's right. I forgot. I actually forgot. Yes. Entirely forgot yes. about giving predictions. Crystal Bald Eagle. All right. Uh, what do you got? Go for it. So most weeks I, I get up here and I pick the Eagles to win but not cover. And I think they win and cover this week. I think that uh, similar to the Bills, the Bills have been covering double-digit spreads, although they didn't against the Packers. That was a 10.5-point line, and they only won by 10. Um, but I, I think the Eagles, I think, I think the Eagles are the superior team. I like the matchups. Uh, they're healthier going into it overall. And I think they're going to be ready to go. Nick Sirianni, his big talking point this week is it's an advantage to the team that thinks it's, it's an advantage. And he is making it. He is suggesting that the Thursday night game is an advantage. They had the bye week to prepare. They played at one when the Texans played at four. I mean, there are things he's pulling out here to tell them they're ready for this Thursday game. I think that messaging is not needed. They're going to be ready because they're the You're a good team. team. They're barely a professional team. Exactly. So the over-under here, I believe, is 45. And uh, I think if, it, if you hit the over, it's because the Eagles are scoring a lot of points. I don't think the Texans score a lot on them. I'm going 35-10 to 10 
Eagles win. I think Jalen Hurts is a big homecoming. I think Miles Sanders rushes for over 100 yards. Uh, I think that the Eagles get two takeaways, and they win this game easily to set a franchise record for an 8-0 start. Nice. I think the Eagles will uh, jump. I think this is going to be like sort of a a caricature of some of the games that we saw early in the season where uh, the Eagles are going to be sort of a little bit close with the Texans in the first quarter. They're going to explode in the second quarter. Uh, They're going to have a big lead. And then uh, the, the Eagles defense is going to do the old, uh, let them have an eight-minute touchdown drive maneuver maybe twice in the second half. And the final score will be Eagles 31, Texans 17. There you go. All right. Marissa, any final thoughts? Any any Texans that you want to just talk about? Um, no Texans. Daniel Boone. No. That probably doesn't seem good for an hour and four minutes into the podcast. Okay. Um, but yeah, I'm excited. I mean, I know it sucks that both games are on at the same time, but it will be a very fun sports night. So I'm looking forward to that on my couch. And then you, obviously uh, late night post game pod. You, you strike me, Zach, as the kind of person who would have enjoyed the show sports night. Did I enjoy it? I love that show. I could I could give you I could tell you so much about that show. It combines Aaron Sorkin and sports, two of my favorite things. Oh man. I mean, uh Dan Rydell and Casey McCall, right? I mean oh I could I, I haven't could, seen you light I up tell like you, that since there was a there was one thing recently that made it happen, but I forget what it was. I could tell you so much about sports night. Um so on CSC, so stick around, right? There you go. Good stuff. All right. Uh, That'll do it for this portion. Please stay tuned for our interview with uh, Tyler Dunn talking tight ends. He's got some insight on uh, on the Eagles. We talk a little Dallas Goddard, some good stuff on Mike Ditka, his time with the Eagles, uh, and the evolution of the position. So good conversation. We will talk to you otherwise very late uh, with a postgame pod. Who knows what time that could be impossible to say um and just as zach comes off the high of a sports night conversation he uh hits the nader of worrying that we're going to be talking post-game pods at like 6 30 in the morning so i'm we'll, signed we'll this is that. this i'm i can't wait for that pod enjoy post-game pods uh yeah it's 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 a big week for the city i just want to emphasize like, enjoy this. This doesn't come around very often, so enjoy this. This is awesome. And if you're going to the game tonight, you know, keep an eye out for uh, a very handsome co-host of the show. If you see if you see somebody with a little pep in his step because he just had a sports night conversation, give him a little <laughs> pat on the back and say, love you, Zach. Um, you're looking great. Stop by. I'll be there with my wife. You can stop by and say hello. And bring your copy of Underdogs. If you want to bring a copy of Underdogs, you can. You can do that, sure. I'm happy to sign. All right. Uh, well, that'll do it for uh, for this. Stay tuned for the, uh, for the Tyler Dunn interview after this break. Talk to you guys on Thursday night. All right. Back on Birds with Friends. Very happy now to be joined by Tyler Dunn, who uh, has a wonderful new book out called The Blood and Guts, How Tight Ends Save football tyler uh we're continuing syracuse week here we had matt gelb on earlier in the week uh i will definitely ask you for some 
Zach stories. But but first of all, like how uh, exhausted are you from the like the publicity tour for this book? Like, are you uh, are you like starting to forget who you're talking about every time? What's like what's the, what, the rigmarole like for you? No, like to, to stay sane, what I've tried to do is, I mean, you kind of get tired. You, you, you edit your book a million times over. So I've, I've looked at these chapters again and again and again. But you do have to dive back in because it's been a bit. And I'm trying to, like, remember old stories and remember some things that guys said. Just I do not want to get on autopilot. Like, that's been my mission. Do not just turn into a freaking robot head coach at a podium spewing the same old <laughs> nonsense for all these. So I promise you. We're feeling fresh. We're feeling good to go. Now I'm already spewing cliches, so that's awful. I'm sorry. What, no, what was we'll sort of the uh, the germ of the idea behind behind the book? How did it get started? Boy, I mean, similar to you guys, I'm sure you've had so many people ask you, like, you should, you know, what you should write a book. What, what are you going to write about? Like, what's something you'd want to just throw yourself into for a year or two? And I've never really been inspired to that point to to want to just throw, you know myself head first into a topic, a player, a coach, a theme. Um, but I, I, it felt like the right time, you know, after branching out, doing my own thing with Go Long, and uh, I, I absolutely wanted to write a book. I was just kind of waiting to, to get inspired about something because what everybody tells you is if you're going to write a book, you better be passionate about it because it's going to be at the forefront of your brain every day. Like you're going to be thinking about it. You're going to be planning for it. You know, you're going to be changing diapers and feeding your kids and, and wondering, okay, like, when's the last I heard back from Jeremy Shockey? When can we set up that, that hangout in Miami Beach? But uh, I, I guess it just kind of stems from, like, a love for real football, pure football, having grown up around the game. I mean, as far back as I can remember, I've been obsessed with the sport itself, watching it, playing it, immersing myself in it every way. And I was just trying to think, like, okay, like, what do I do with that passion? Like, where, where is that best harnessed? And it wasn't necessarily um, a player or a team. And I, I just started thinking about positions and the tight end position really, you know, on face value, you have to block, you have to run a route, you have to catch a pass on third and 10 with 80,000 people screaming down. I mean, the, the, the mental toughness that it takes is there. The physical toughness that it takes is there. And there's just no profession like pro football in general, where like you go to work as George Kittle said, and you're beating the hell out of each other. You know, you're getting to a fight at training camp. It's 90 degrees. If you twist your ankle, you might be out of a job and, Oh, let's just go in the cold tub and talk about each other's kids and wives and families. It's, it's weird. You don't get that in anything else. So um, just kind of tap into this all. I, I think what really kind of nudged me finally to take it on is just kind of getting all pissed off at these flags and fines and the overcorrection of the NFL to just siphon out violence. I mean, it's inherently a, a risky game. This isn't like any other sport. When you step onto the field, you kind of assume that risk. And I, I it just, I feel like the NFL is always seeking this middle ground that doesn't really exist, like this utopia. Um, so that was kind of like the last nudge, like, okay, I'm throwing myself in the tight ends. I'm just going to see where it goes. And the more I talked to these guys and hung out with Mike Dicka, Jackie Smith, Ben Coates, Jeremy Shockey, Tony Gonzalez, all these tight ends, it, it kind of became something bigger. You know, it, it it became like, yeah, this position is saving what we love about the sport. And I'm, I'm sure we'll get into it. I, I feel like it, even if you don't even like football, you can read this book because they tell us a lot about life. I, th I thought in 2018, 2019, when the Eagles were playing all that 12 personnel that I exhausted 
all my tight end material. And then I read your book and I'm like, man, there's a lot to this position here. Um, How for... jealous do you think Damo is, Zach? <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. As, as, as someone who asked and wrote about 12 uh, personnel all the time. Uh, now, this is not a book where, where um, we're reading about like Zach Ertz, for instance, the recent stuff. There's great history in here. And in particular, for our readers, Mike Dicka, who we don't often associate with the Eagles, um, as I read your book for good reason, right? Um, but uh, but can you kind of shed light on Dicka's connection to Philadelphia and and the role that played in his career? And Mike Dicka is so fascinating because I feel like our generation, we kind of know the Mike Dicka that was – like on Sunday countdown on ESPN, just kind of shooting from the hip on kicking and screaming with Will Ferrell. Like we can't even go back to the 85 bears. Really? I mean, I was born in 87. So like the generation before us knows him as the coach, you know, as the guy coaching, maybe the best team of all time. And then the generation before that one remembers him mostly as, as a player, as, as the, the, the one who created the tight end position really himself. Uh, but what gets lost through this all is that critical juncture in his life? I, I don't know. I mean, I, I never, I mean, I hardly even knew he played for the Eagles outside of looking at a pro football reference. Like, oh yeah, he had a cup of cup of coffee with the Eagles for, for a couple of seasons. Um, but actually sitting down with him, I mean, he, he really pointed to that time, not just in his career, but in his life as, as the defining moment of everything that we don't, we're not talking about Mike Dick of the coach, the player, the broadcaster, the actor, none of this. Like he, he's like the silhouette for the league. And I think I wrote, like if you're to do a Jerry West logo for the NFL, it's Mike Dicka. We're not getting into any of that. If he doesn't turn his life around um, out of that Philly experience, because it was terrible. Uh, he hated himself. He hated the game. He the, the second season there. Uh, I think they won two games. He's sparring with the coach. Um, he just completely lost his passion for, for football. And it almost feels like for life. I mean, he would just kind of go out downtown Philadelphia, drink himself into oblivion, come home, not know how he got (laughs) home the next day. (laughs) Um, And he was just in a haze. Like even like the, the, the the complexion of his skin would change. And um, he was, he was lost in every sense. And it took, uh, I mean, yeah. I mean that last game with the Eagles um, after that, he was ready to, just quit football. He drove, he, he drove home. He didn't tell anybody. He didn't really care about his contract and care that he still had years left with his body, even after, you know, taking everybody out every time he had the ball. And it took a phone call from, from Tom Landry to kind of change his life where Landry reaches out. Dick had a good game against the Cowboys and Landry just felt Dick might be that missing piece um, as, as a leader in the locker room to get the Cowboys over the hump. At that point, they, they were knocking on the door for a while, but they just couldn't win a Super Bowl. Gets to the Super Bowl, catches a touchdown in the Super Bowl. His receiving numbers weren't prolific, but um, I mean, players on the Cowboys and Dick himself—they'd almost would rather talk about those Cowboy years than anything. That the impact he had on that team was profound, and I mean, changes life. He coaches for the Cowboys. He reconciles with George Hallis to coach for the Bears, and I think that you know, not to get ahead of myself, but like that defining moment for Dick of looking himself in the mirror. Just saying, man, you you stupid sob! Like, turn it around. This is all on you. Like, just get it together. That that comes up again and again with these tight ends, and and so many of them face um, like a do or die moment in their lives where if they continue doing what they're doing, they'd end up in a ditch. 
And um, hmm. obviously Dicka did not. You know, uh, as you talk to these guys and, and, you know, as you're talking about, these are sort of like the, you know, the, the warriors on the field. Uh, how are their bodies doing? Not good. Well, you know what? I shouldn't just get all negative right away because Jackie Smith is 82. We're drinking yeah. beers in St. Louis and he's trying <laughs> to explain, you know, his route running to me. He pops up off his stool and he's like, get, gets into a stance <laughs> and talks about that. how he just like would cut in and out of his breaks. So he's great. I mean, he still works out on a Stairmaster. It's his way to just stay, stay active, stay fit mentally, stay sharp too. Um, but yeah, I think a, a lot of them, they're, they're not doing good. I mean, Dick, the thing is Dick is in his eighties. You know, we, we yeah. all know a lot of people in their eighties where th things start to break down anyways, but he's not moving nearly as well as he once did. I think Ben Coates is the interesting one though, where, um, the, the nineties nostalgia is there. We all remember Ben Coates just barreling yeah. through defenders and winter coats. Yeah, of course. Drew Bledsoe's a good two guy. Yeah. And, uh, and he's hurting bad. Um, you know, he, at the time of our conversation, he said he doesn't even really go upstairs in his own home much. Mm -hmm. He needs somebody to kind of drive him around. He's just walking in his front lawn recently and like tears a ligament in his knee. And he's thinking, how in the hell did I do that? And then he's running through all the injuries throughout his career. The fact that, he only missed two games, one because his mother yeah. died, the other because he had a high ankle sprain. I mean, everything from his helmet shifting in a piece of metal, cutting his head open, and he's gashing blood. He doesn't even know he's bleeding until a teammate <laughs> said something. <laughs> um, he was tough as hell. Uh, all of these guys were. So he's hurting. A lot of them are hurting, but they, gosh, it's 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 wild. I mean, I, maybe you could say, well, what else are they going to say at this point? I take them at their word. They, they say they'd all do it again one by one that this was 100% worth it um, for the camaraderie and Ben Coates's case. He, he won a Super Bowl with the Ravens right at the end. Um, I think that it always blows my mind when I hear that you guys talk to these former players all the time as well. When, you know, they, they creak and they moan yeah. and they hurt and they're in pain every morning. And yet they would, they don't even hesitate when you ask them that question. It's like, no doubt about it. I would do it again. Now I'm 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 curious too. Uh, it was interesting to see the evolution of the position in the book. You mentioned some of the old timers. They had a lot on Shockey in there. You get to Gronkowski, and you know, of course, our our readers and, and listeners know that from Shokapati's story on Earths a few years ago, he had Gronkowski's record, single season record, as the passcode of his phone. Right, Gronkowski was always the standard bearer for tight ends. Uh, or I shouldn't say always recently has been. And then you get into kind of tight end you and what's ahead, Kyle Pitts, the fourth overall pick uh, last year. Where have you, have you seen the, I, I guess, how have you seen the position evolve and where do you think it's going? Holy cow, it is, it's evolved immensely. I mean, you, if you want to take it all the way back to Mike Dicka, where, you're just talking about split ends and ends, right? You've got the Raymond Berries of the world and Don Hudson before that. And an end was just, you know, a, a big, ugly, an extension of the line, you know, had a route tree about as long as a stump, you know, they, they're getting off the line and catching a ball and falling down. Um, so the fact that Mike Dickett had a coach like Luke Johnsos, you know, a, a person I'd never heard of in my life. He's the offensive coordinator for the bears. And he's really the one who told him, look, just move two, three yards off of the line, get a little separation from that tackle. 
And now you've got a two-way release. You can go left, you can go right. And it just kind of, it, it, it just, every, the game was so condensed and tight. It just kind of stretched it out just enough where Dicka could run a route. And then where he really redefined it, obviously, is, you know, when he caught the ball, he just turned into a predator. You know, he's at the top of the food chain, just taking names and kicking everybody's ass. So st- starts there with, with Dicka, with Mackie. And then the next big evolutionary step was Don Coryell's offense with the San Diego Chargers and really putting a 6'6 freak of nature, Kellen Winslow, out wide where, okay, good luck covering him out there, corner, safety, linebacker, whatever you do, like he'll probably own you. And if you shade extra attention his way, we've got Wes Chandler and Charlie Joyner over here and Fouts at the control. So I think he's really the coach that – started to use the tight end in completely different ways. Cause it's funny right before Kellen Winslow, you watched some Ozzie news, some highlights mm. he'll be split out once in a while. And he's in a three point stance. <laughs> it's so funny to look at those yeah. old games on YouTube. Um, so that was a big one. I mean, Shannon Sharp, Savannah state wide receiver. If, if Dan Reeves doesn't have the, you know, the, the intuition to move him to tight end, I mean, cause this guy's just tearing up the scout team and says, Hey, sure. let's just put him at tight end. If he doesn't do that, Anthony Lynn, you know, one of Sharp's friends, former teammates, thinks, uh, yeah, he, he probably flames out of the NFL in a year right. or two. So it just took that thought of, okay, big receiver, let's put him at tight end and get those matchups. Uh, but really the pivot point, I think, for the position, and if you're going to really point to a, a turning point, a climax in this book, and I, and I definitely suggest people read it start to finish. There is a flow, even though you can absolutely jump around if you want, um, is, is Tony Gonzalez because – he opened up a door to a completely different type of athlete at the position where six, four, six, five, six, six power forwards on a basketball court. They're not getting to the NBA unless you're Charles Barkley, right. And you're you know, Dennis Rodman. If you're just this rebound freak, but you're, you're just, that's you're, you're tapping out in college. Like that's your plateau. So I think the fact that, you know, Tony Gonzalez is somebody who's battling Ed O'Bannon, Tim Thomas, the, some of the best players in college basketball and learning how to time up his rebounds and get his jump shot off in traffic when you're, you've got the severe height disadvantage to then drop know, it onto like, a football yeah. field. Yeah. What's that? I said, I know what that's like the severe height disadvantage. So yeah. <laughs> he never misses a chance. <laughs> yeah. Go on. I'm hey, sorry. Didn't mean to interrupt. Don't sell yourself <laughs> short media. Come. Hey, we, we saw you out there working the two. <laughs> Fair enough. Fair enough. And sorry, I'm rambling. So pl- please feel free no, to not at all. No, no, no. This is great. Um, well, no, because I want to. I want to ask you about it, Tony Gonzalez because I, that that was sort of my question. Is um, you know, I did a story on on Dallas Goddard a couple of weeks ago, and and was talking to the tight ends coach Jason Michael about why it is that like that position has so many guys of like basketball backgrounds or other sport backgrounds. And he was talking about he thinks a lot of it has to do with like. Uh, the understanding of spatial awareness that you would get uh, on a basketball court. And, and so like you're talking about, if Tony Gonzalez opened that door, uh, like wh- why do you think it is that that tight ends so often come from um, maybe non-traditional football backgrounds? Hmm. I mean, because you, you you drop Tony Gonzalez onto a football field and you've got a 5-11 quarter, a right. uh, 6-1, 6-2, 240-pound linebacker. I mean, he's he's just, you know, plucking it off of your head he's contorting his body at the same angles he did on a basketball court I think he developed that muscle memory that athletic muscle memory of how to how to win at 
at the absolute absolute apex of, of the ball in the air. Like you're, he's just not going to lose that ball, whether it's on a basketball court, a football field, the game had never really seen that before. Not, not to that extreme. And it just what kind of blew my mind is when we're talking, I'm thinking, Oh, we're going to just live the glory days here again in Austin, Texas. And it will just be like hearing old war stories and fishing tales and everything's going to be great. Like Tony's a little ticked off because yeah, early on, Jimmy Ray, his offensive coordinator, used him and fed him the ball and migrated him all over the field. But he said, like, day one, when Dick Vermeil came in and he's bringing the greatest show on turf, Trent Green asked to get together and says, Tony, I hate to break it to you, but the way this offense works, you're not going to get the ball like you did before. Like, hmm. we've got, we're getting the ball to the wide receivers. You know, the only problem is Kansas City had Eddie Kennison and Johnny Morton, I think. Not exactly Isaac Bruce and Tory mm-hmm. Holt and Isaiah Hakeem. It's so he, yeah, he got his. Like Tony said, you're good enough. Like you're gonna, you're gonna get your stuff. Like you're, you're gonna do your thing. But it could have been so much greater mm-hmm. uh, because then they, they only have one good year. They're, they all leave. Then he's catching passes from Brody Croyle and Damon Heward and Tyler Thigpen. Then he goes to Atlanta and There's he has some great remember some guys' names. Michael yeah. Arkey. yeah. Not exactly a murderer's row of quarterbacks there. Uh, but I think his clash with Mike Malarkey says everything, you know, back to ZB's question on the evolution where, I mean, it, like the NFL it, at that point, there was, there's just so many egos and so much old school thinking of this is how it's always been. This is what we have to do. And I don't want to just crap on it because I mean, Mike Malarkey was a good tight ends coach in his day in Pittsburgh with Mark Bruner and some of the guys they had through there. There is something to be said for building a, a toughness, a, a work ethic, you know, as he taught his guys, like one last shove at the whistle, like play through the echo of the whistle, all of that, it, it matters. But to not recognize what you have in Tony Gonzalez and not utilize him to the best of his ability, it, it's so NFL, he's not alone. I mean, look, Lamar Jackson, the entire league just passes on Lamar Jackson because they don't think he, he's a, a prototypical quarterback. Um, so, yeah, they, they clashed. I mean, they went at it. Day one, Malarkey's showing him clips of Mark Bruner saying, this is who you need to be for me. And Tony's thinking, why in the hell did they trade for me? And Malarkey's thinking, why the hell did we trade for him? It was just a, a doomed, arranged marriage that almost, I mean, if you if you were to take Tony Gonzalez's side of the story, which Malarkey refutes, um, he was ready just to beat the hell out of him in a, in a fight in the locker room <laughs> in Tampa Bay when Malarkey allegedly iced him out of his 1,000 catch. Um, mm. Mike says he didn't know that Tony was stuck on 999. Um Tony says BS and he is Malarkey's going around the locker room, shaking everybody's hands, gets up to Tony Gonzalez, extends the hand. And, and Tony almost, he, he almost just lost it on him. He says, I'm back. I, I'm ready just to, to let loose and, and I'm ready to die. And he said, players held him back. Malarkey mm. said that never happened. Uh, mm. But Malarkey did say in so many words, if it did happen, he would have been ready to go. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. That's the blood and guts right there, yeah. right? Uh, so as <laughs> as we see in the screen, we see we see blood and guts that that uh, you're you're showing there. Also next to your name it says golongtd.com um, uh, because that's where you have your outstanding work. I'm a subscriber, and and you also have a good podcast during the off season. You had some interesting Eagles insight on the front office on the podcast, and then. Uh, you, you had really good pieces last year on the Giants and on the Cowboys. And now we're looking at this division, and the Eagles are the last undefeated team in the league. And then 
Giants and Cowboys are not far behind, right? Uh, it's, it's by record the best division in the NFC East. Uh, I'm sorry, in the NFL. What insight do you have on the division overall and what's kind of clicking for these teams so far? Man, thanks for subscribing and um, noting those two stories. Those were fun series to get into. You know, fun is relative because it wasn't so fun for the New York Giants. Right. At, at the end there, they they had to fumigate the building. Um, <laughs> I think what's impressive with the, with the Eagles, it's like, you know, we're, we're talking about ego getting in the way of things with, with GMs, with coaches. And, you know, you see a lot of times teams make uh, mistakes at the top of a draft and they kind of hang on to those players just a year too long, two years too long. And then it ends up really metastasizing the problem. And then you're all fired anyways. I think we're, we're Howie Roseman deserves a lot of credit. And you're right, my, my podcast co-host, Jim Monas, he worked alongside Howie Roseman like way back in the day when they're just a couple of grunts, you know, running around. I, I think Jim like would bring the clips to people in like the club suites or something. And, and Howie was right there with him. Um, but what's so impressive about Howie Roseman and the Eagles, it's like they make a mistake, but they move, they, they quickly transition. Like, okay, Carson Wentz, that contract. It, it, as soon as they started having buyer's remorse, like, whoa, what did we get ourselves into? You'd get an unreal value in Jalen Hurts. You kind of let him develop. You don't rush him out. And all the other quarterbacks in that draft and recent drafts are, are thrown out there in bad situations. They're not ready. Like, he was put out there when he was absolutely ready. And an offense that works for him, right? Nick Sirianni just he he just builds something that works for his quarterback. He's not trying to fit the square peg in the round hole, which is like so admirable that a coach, you know, these coaches, you know, they they wait decades for a job like this, right? They've got a vision. This is how we do it. Like my playbook is gonna work. And I'd love to know what his plan was, like when he became a head coach. Because uh, I'm sure it wasn't this schematically. Who you guys know better than me, but right. I think he 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 to swallow your pride and to do what's best for the team says a lot about him. And it's not just that, right? They've whiffed on wide receivers in the draft, and yet they kept drafting wide receivers. They trade for AJ Brown, and and here they are undefeated. So, I mean, what better message to the rest of the league that if if you screw up, like don't don't just like try to kid yourself and and talk yourself into it and yeah. rationalize. It's like it's like when you're dating a girl back at Syracuse or something, right? Right, Zach? And it's, you know, oh, here we go. As well, we're dating, but I don't like this. I don't like that. I'm like, Then you probably should get out of the situation. Like, it's not going to work. <laughs> Next thing you know, you're going to get married and you'll be in too deep. So, <laughs> but so the, the, the Eagles have been smart down that line. Yeah. I think that's right. Uh, I do need to, I need to ask you some Syracuse questions about, about young Zach, though. Uh, you know. I was a little older than Tyler. So, yeah, I just, I'll, I'll preface before the questions. I'll, I'll say Tyler came in. I was probably junior, senior. Tyler transferred in, and I thought we got a ringer for our basketball team because uh, he could play better than any of us on the squad. So, yeah, I'm, I'll, I, I didn't mean to interrupt. I'll so, how was, how was Zach on the basketball court? And uh, before we started recording, you mentioned this, this party called Battle. I want to hear all about this. <laughs> Zach had some sneaky quickness, some high IQ awareness. You know, he could he could disperse it. He could keep the ball moving on offense, right? Working working the two. I think you were an off guard, right, Zach? Uh, I think that's complimentary of me. I was just trying to not 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 be. I was trying to be value added at, at some perspective. Yeah, I was. Yeah, yeah. I I we lost I was in overtime like, that year. We did lose. I was to Andrew Filipponi, right? I think he uh, yeah. he had a big night. Um, 
God, but we got them the next year. They came out, WAER, the radio station that the carrier, oh. they're wearing the, the Decade of Dominance t-shirts. I think this might have been after you graduated, Zach, right? Yeah, Gelb was the head coach. Yeah, Gelb was the coach. Gelb was the head coach? <laughs> yes, yes. Gelb wouldn't play. Gelb he, he would be the coach. Yep. Wow. Gelb, yeah, Gelb couldn't play. Did he, did, <laughs> was it out of a lack of ability or a lack of want? Why didn't no, he play? I, think- I never really knew why. I think he he liked being the coach, right? He he would dress in coach attire. He he'd be really into. <laughs> this he is was fantastic. The head coach. I didn't yes. know this. Yes, I can picture it now. <laughs> yes, right. he was the coach. Slick back his hair, or what? <laughs> uh, no, no, that he <laughs> wasn't Pat Riley in the year. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, he was more like Bayheim. Yes. Yeah. But you know, I mean, no, no. Zach didn't get you. You were uh, you were wise, mature, upperclassman <laughs> compared to like myself and Connor and Ehalt, and you know, we're we're a little younger, we're a little bit more debauchery. That the battle party was what one, once a semester, and I think we we just yeah. let loose at somebody's house, and you know, whatever happened happened. But I don't re- I don't remember you just you know getting getting sloppy and like some of these tight ends <laughs> in the book. You you kept <laughs> it under control. Right, you 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 had it together. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, though. Maybe there's a story I missed from before no, I transferred. In. No, that is I, I, that is correct. I actually I, I I had to host the battle party one year because the sports editor had to host it, and uh, I was I I just remember this this doesn't sound this doesn't sound very good, but uh, I I had work the next morning, right? So I I was just like eager to get this over with so i i i can get working the next morning i was doing a radio show the next day um but uh yeah that it was uh it was a fun time but tyler came in and was a great writer that was obvious but again i i thought he was a ringer for the basketball team because he improved <laughs> our team significantly when he came in back in the days not to blow smoke up zach's but he, he's I mean, the, you andy mccullough matt gelb zach Shambron. i mean Everybody in that house, I learned more from the upperclassmen at the Daily Orange than any professor at Syracuse. And hopefully everybody who comes through the DO says that because it's it's crazy thinking back, like the lessons you learned just sitting down with Zach, um, both Zach's, Matt, Andy, anybody, and John Clayton, Ethan Ramsey. I mean, I'm, we could we could spend hours going through the names. and You just learn more sitting down going over a story with somebody who's just a year or two older than you than then you'll learn anywhere else on campus. And it's, it's unbelievable to think back at what our lives were like at the DO. I mean, we'd be there some mornings till, I mean, when you're putting, putting out a paper, right, Zach, it's four or 5. AM. Oh, yes. You might have a yep. class at seven or eight. Yeah. I get insomnia cookies to survive. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> it was fun, man. It was a fun, fun time. No doubt. All right, Marissa, we got to put a moratorium on Syracuse. This is, yeah, this, I think this, this is, is, you know, our next guest is either Maryland or Wake Forest. I mean, Probably more no, this is great. I love I love hearing stories about uh, young Zach. So <laughs> thank you for sharing those, Tyler. <laughs> well, Tyler, uh, thank you oh, for uh... Zach, Zach was the man. <laughs> he still is the man, right? Yeah, appreciate it. Yes. Appreciate it. Is okay. is sorry is. Yes. Um, thank you for for taking time. Congratulations on the book. Um, and hopefully we'll see you as as Zach says. Hopefully we don't see you around Philly anytime too soon. So we're not worried you're stealing a story, but. <laughs> Hopefully the season's going well for you. Hey, no, I, we we got to make it happen, fellas and lady. Sorry, uh, absolutely, we'll do. Yeah, our, we got the done we'll and done connection here. Person pot or something. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. All right, so thank, uh, thanks so much for having me too. This was awesome. Really appreciate you.
For sure, of course. Uh, and that'll do it for this episode of Birds with Friends. So for Tyler and Marissa and Zach, I'm Bo. Thanks for listening. We'll talk to you later this week. And as always, we love you.